So today, um, there's a part of that message that I wanted to put into the message today, that we are one in the spirit. Um, it doesn't matter uh, what family you come from. It doesn't matter what your last name actually is. It doesn't matter what um, nation you hail from originally. Um, we are one in the spirit. It is by our inclusion in the family of Christ that we become one in the spirit. Um, Ephesians, I'm going to um, talk for a few moments here about how we are made one into the family of Christ. And it is nothing but the grace of God that makes it this way. I talked a few weeks ago about what the grace of God is, and I'm going to briefly touch on what that is again. Because it's important for us to understand that the grace of God is a bit more deeper than the mercy of God. The mercy of God is important, but he's, you're not going to get to mercy unless you get grace first. Like, you, you don't even stand a chance to get in his mercy if you don't get his grace first. So let me go back over the definition of grace. Grace is the unmerited, undeserved favor of God. Grace is, you get something of grace because he just chose to give it to you. Not because you're good, or your family's good, or your parents' good, or you've done something good. That wasn't good enough. He had to give you something you didn't deserve. Um, it's the equivalent of um, going to school, failing a class, and the teacher just saying, you know what, I'm just going to let you pass. Like, you've done nothing to, to deserve it. Like, you didn't make the grade. I just don't want to see you next year, so I'm going to pass you so that you get out of my class, you become somebody else's problem. Like you're getting some, you don't deserve to go up a grade, you just, you're just going because he's tired. Grace of God is like that. He's not waiting for you to figure out how to get good. He's just giving goodness to you. You, you see what I mean? So he's not waiting for you to get together a, good, a set of good things, because mercy's a little bit different. Mercy's like, okay, now I've, I'm, the police caught me going 25 miles per hour over the speed limit. And I want you to be very careful, You're not, none of this for you. Okay, no speeding for you. But you get caught going 25 miles per hour over the speed limit. And they can fine you anywhere between $50 and 150. Mercy is, I'm gonna just fine you 50. That's the least I can do. But mercy doesn't go where grace goes. Grace says, I'm gonna let you off. I'm paying for this. I'm gonna go into my pocket and pay for it. Grace goes deeper than mercy. Mercy says, I'm gonna do the minimum I can do to you. Like, but you still have to pay. Grace says, I'm going to pay the price for you. I'm gonna make you move that grade. I'm gonna make you not pay that fine. That's what grace does. So I wanna talk a little bit about grace today. The grace of God, God's grace towards us. The things that we get that we don't deserve. And the question I really ask myself is, if I don't deserve it, how do I get it? Like if I can't, like one of the things we, one of the ways we've been taught to get things is work. Work very hard. That's been put in us from when we are young. You, you know, you, your parents may have said to you, you know, you, you're gonna have to work twice. You, you are not the brightest. You're gonna have to work twice as hard as everybody else to get that same thing. <laughs> You're good at geography, but you're terrible at math, so you have to work really hard to get a good grade. Happens. Sometimes we're smart at one thing and not at the other. It happens to all of us, right? And so like, you're saying, I have to work twice as hard to get the thing I want. That's not the way grace works. 
You're trying to work hard at something that has been given to you and it doesn't work that way. Now you can work hard and get better better mercy, but grace doesn't work that way. Grace says, I'm gonna give it to you, not because you've worked hard, but because I love you. All right, let's go to Ephesians chapter two. We're gonna start with Ephesians, I think. Ephesians chapter two, verse seven. Ephesians chapter two, verse seven. And if the minister finds it before me. Yeah, Ephesians chapter two, verse seven, yes sir. So, so Paul is future looking right now. He's saying there's gonna become a time and he's actually sitting in that time right now. That in the ages to come, yes. he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. What is he, sh- there is, he's, the him he's talking about, he he's talking about is Jesus. God himself in the flesh. God is gonna show grace to us, and he's not gonna show just a little bit of grace. And you know one of the things we have um, that is problematic for some people who do well by working hard? This message is messing you up. Because you want your goodness to be the reason why God loves you. I understand the inclination. Like, we are the person, the prodigal, remember the prodigal son and the brother that didn't go? And he thought he deserved everything because he'd been working. So, but they're not realizing that everything was his father's anyway. Like, his father gave to them both. But the brother didn't understand why the young son got what he deserved. Even though he, none of them worked for it, their father gave it to them. You, you see, the real story is that the father gave them everything they had. But one was mad because the other one got something good and he'd been working the whole time. <laughs> but the nature of Christ is saying is that I have something in abundance, something I'm wealthy with that I'm going to give you. Read that first part of that verse again. That in the ages to come, yes. He wants to show his riches, not in gold, even though he has that. Even though the scripture says in Psalms, I believe it is, that the cattle on a thousand hills belong to him. Everything in the earth, the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof, everything is his. But he doesn't want to show off the earth as his riches. That's not what he's interested in doing. Yes, sir. Many of us want to show off how rich we are by how good our house looks. Many of us want to show how, good, how rich we are by how, <laughs> how good our car looks, right? We really want to show how wealthy we are by how the vacation, vacation we go on. Can't wait to show everybody the pictures um, of the, standing outside of the Coliseum. Can't wait to show you that, you know, I was invented. Can't wait. But the way the Lord wants to show you his love isn't by the wealth he gives you, but by the grace he gives you. He wants to show his, his love and his mighty power by giving you something that you couldn't earn yourself. When somebody has something in abundance, you can tell, because they usually are very, very generous with it. See, you can tell when somebody doesn't have a lot of something because they don't get generous with the thing that they don't have a lot of. So if I have a billion pounds or a billion dollars, I don't think I'd be able to spend that in an entire life. I don't think I could get poor if you gave me a billion. I just don't know how to spend that much money. After buying a house, two houses, let's say, three cars, I'm not sure what else I'm gonna spend 
that much money on. <coughs> and so the Lord is right here showing off his wealth, not by giving you money, not by giving you things, but by giving you grace. The grace, that first definition of grace I told you about, giving you something you don't deserve. Look how the scripture um, <coughs> it describes it. That in the ages to come, <coughs> might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us. If the Lord's going to show his riches, he's not trying to do it by showing you actual gold and silver. That's his too, but that's not the way he wants to show you his wealth. He wants to show you how generous he is by showing you his grace. Uh, the difference between us is that we want to show off how good we are and he wants to show you how good he is by making you know that you're good through him. That's true power. Amen. Let's keep reading. For by grace we are saved. For, for by grace are ye saved through faith and not, not of yourselves. It is a gift of... So how do we get hold of grace? The scripture tells us here clearly it is through faith. I get access to this grace, this grace that he's abundant with, this grace that he is rich with. I get access to that grace, to that favor, to that all that goodness through faith. <laughs> and then he goes on to say in verse 9, not by works. So there's a difference I have to kind of call out here. You can get, part of us, like I said, have this instinct where we want to work our way into grace. But that's not, that's not how it works. You don't get a gift by working. That's actually payment. That's called a payment, right? If you work really hard and somebody gives you something because you're working hard, that's called a payment. But that's not a gift. That's a, like we don't, my, my employer doesn't say I'm gonna give you a gift at the end of the month. You better give me what you owe me, right? Because I worked for it. But Lord isn't saying I'm gonna give you what you owe because you're good. I'm going to give you what I love to give you because you believe. Faith gives us access to something. Let's look at it, read that verse again. Verse 9. You're not going to work for grace. You're not going to get it because you deserve it. You're not going to get it because you've, you've done all the right things. You're not going to work your way into grace. But what does he say? Because if you could do it that way, you would start saying it was because of you being that good. You'd start boasting about yourself. You'd start saying, ah, I deserve God's grace because I'm this good. That's just not the way it works. You don't deserve God's grace. God's grace is a gift to you. It is a gift that he's freely given because he's both generous and he has a lot of grace to give. You're not getting it because you are impeccably dressed. You're not getting it because you have figured out how to stop lying. You're not getting it because you are no longer a drunk. You're getting it because God loves you and he wants to give you grace. Let's go back just a, 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 go back to verse 8 just for a second. For by grace are ye saved through faith. So you got grace because you not worked but because you believed says you've got grace, you're saved by grace through faith. 
The only thing you've brought to this equation, the only thing you've brought here, the only thing you, 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 is faith. You just believed. We are here because we have the audacity to believe. The absolute, absolute audacity to believe, not that we are good, but that we just believe God's gonna give us some grace. That's what the beauty and wonder of this moment is. Not that we are good because we are working hard and we outwork somebody else. We are here because we believed on the Lord Jesus and he gave us grace because we believed. Uh, it's like, it's almost unfair really, because you, you want to be, you want to be about work, how hard you work. But the truth is you're going to slip up sometime and then you're going to be back to relying on mercy and your mercy is going to make sure make something that you can't pay. That's why I can't rely on me. The only thing I can rely on is, Lord, I believe you can help. That's the only thing that can be consistent with me is that Lord will help me. Let's read verse 9 again. It's not about your works. It's not about how good you are, not about how strong you are, not about how fast you can run. It's about... Just in case anybody starts to thinking, ah, it's all about, I am this good, I deserve grace. No, you don't. You might deserve a little bit of mercy, but grace is a gift and you can't, you can't earn a gift. Uh, you can't earn a gift. You have to just be in a place to receive it. Amen. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship. We are his, he's working on us. He is looking at us and working on us in a way that's gonna create the kind of people he wants. <laughs> I know you want it to be about you and about how you're working, but the Lord's working on you. Amen? Let's keep going. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, yes. Unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So let me also, so we're talking about grace here. Let's go to another scripture. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12. Hebrews 4 and 12. So grace we know now, we can't earn. We have to give it, receive it by faith. That's why we harp on about believing in the word. That's why we keep going on about it. The first thing I'm going to ask you to do is believe in your heart. It's the heart that needs to change first, not the outside. Because it's the, if you're working on the outside first, that's the works part. And you won't get grace because of the work part. You get grace because of the faith part. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. Because it starts talking about the word. Verse 12 starts with what? For the word yes. of God yes. is quick. The word here is, is one, not one we use very often today, but quick means alive. The word of the Lord is alive. This is not just a book that's sitting here. We believe it is active and alive. It is the word. And keep reading. The word of God is quick and powerful. We believe the word is powerful. And sharper. And sh go ahead. Than any two-edged sword. And it's, it's so sharp. It's so, it is, it is oh, it's almost like a weapon. It is very, very sharp. And sharpness here is about being able to divide things and create a, 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 almost like dividing two things that are from truth and fiction. It's able to kind of discern between the two. Keep going. Yes, sir. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the, the dividing asunder of soul and spirit 
This goes down deep in you. The word is designed to work in you and designed to work on you on the inside man. This is not just a surgical equipment. This is spiritually surgical equipment designed to get down to the root of who you are. Let's keep going. And, and of the joints and the marrow. Yeah. And is discerned of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Don't you know the word can, can get to the intent of the heart? This is why I keep talking about the difference between what you're working on, what your body's working on, and what your heart is actually doing. That's why it starts with faith, because that's the heart. That's why it starts with faith, because that's on the inside of you. I can't tell what's going on on the inside by looking at the outside necessarily. Let's keep reading. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the tents of the heart. Yes. Neither is there any creature that, not, that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him. The word doesn't miss a thing. Doesn't matter who you are, where you are, the word doesn't miss anything about your heart and about the intent of the heart. That's why faith is gonna give us access to grace. And the word knows, the word knows, right? Because I, I can trick you maybe with some good habits every once in a while. You'll say, oh, Mark's a nice person. He shows up every Sunday. But you don't necessarily know what's going on in the heart of somebody. And the word gets to the heart of people every time. It is right there discerning what's going on. Let's keep reading. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. Yep. But all things are naked and open. No creature is able to hide itself from the word of God. The word of God is able, is quick, and it's powerful, and it's sharp. And let's keep going. Verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is... Pass into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us lay hold fast. Okay, now he's starting to talk about when we were talking earlier about the Gospels. Jesus has passed into the heavens. Our high priest, on our behalf, is working for us. He's, Christ is working for us as high priest. What does a priest do? The priest is designed to do two things. The priest gets people closer to God and gets God closer to the people. The intent of Christ in the heavens is to show grace to us so that God gets close to us and we get closer to God. Yes, sir. Amen? Yes, sir. Let's keep reading. For we have not, verse 13, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we were, yet without sin. Okay, it's an important statement in the scripture that is important to kind of go over. He says, we have not a high priest that cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmity. That's an interesting structure sentence, and I'll need to break it down. It's basically two negatives. It says, we don't have a high priest that cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Slow us down a little bit. That's saying, we do in fact have a high priest that can be touched. It's a double negative, meaning a positive, right? So he said, we have a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. How we feel, he gets it. Christ gets it because he experienced the same things we experienced. We have somebody standing right next to God who gets us. You want to know why we've got this grace? <laughs> because Jesus gets us. He understands us. He knows us. <laughs> He understands us. Let's read a, read a verse again. Yes, sir. For we have not a high priest <coughs> who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, 
but was in all, what, but was in all points tempted like as yes. we are, <clears throat> yet without sin. Amen. Keep going. Let us therefore come boldly. This is the part I wanted to get to. Unto the throne of grace. Where are we encouraged to walk boldly yes. to? Read that again. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. There is no reason, once you understand what grace is, to start this walk towards God timidly. Like there's no need for you to be scared, to be humble. I mean, humble, yes, but. I want you to with confidence come, knowing that you deserve the spot that's been reserved for you. It's not because of you, it's because of Christ. It's not because you've worked your way and you deserve your spot, it's because the spot has been bought for you already. I, I got on the plane the other day and um, had this mindset, because we bought the ticket and I paid a little bit extra to get the seat I wanted. And as I got onto the airplane, I was saying to myself, no one better be in my seat. Like, I purchased that seat. I, I, you know what, it's a great seat, had lots of leg room. I'm six foot three, had lots of leg room. I said, better not be in my seat, I paid extra. Now, had, I, had it just been everybody sit where you want, I'd have just been whoever, whatever seat's available, I'd have took. But I paid. For my seat and my wife's seat. So I'm saying your seat at the throne of grace has been paid for. You've got to come into that aeroplane and that throne of grace like, hey, my seat's been paid for. Like you all, I don't know how you, I didn't get here by works. Somebody else paid my seat. You need to be with confidence. Yes, I messed up, but somebody understands me who's sitting in the throne of grace. Somebody who saw me before I was even born is sitting in the throne of grace. I don't deserve it, but I've been given it and that's now mine. Amen? The spot has been reserved for you. Has your name on it? <laughs> You've just got to go get it. Imagine if I'd have got on the plane and said, ah, somebody's sitting there, I won't bother them, I'll just go sit somewhere else. Absolutely not. Paid for, purchased, I'd have gone straight to the steward and said, hey, I don't know, look, this is, this is my ticket right here. You need to go get that person. This is your job. Huh? Because you paid for it. My wife should have the same confidence because I paid for hers too. Right? And I'm saying that your spot at the throne of grace has been paid for. And you're saying to yourself, well, I messed up. I did speak a lie to you last week. I, I, I messed up. Paid for. With an abundance, not just a little bit of grace. We just read he has riches of grace. You're acting like he's, he's, he's running out of grace. He's not. So we've got to keep boldly coming to the throne of grace. Amen. Let me get, hey, I'm going to want to get a few more scriptures. John chapter 1, 14. John chapter, St. John. This is St. John chapter 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John of the Gospels. John chapter 1. And the Word yes. was made flesh. And the Word was made flesh. We're talking about, we're just talking about the Word here a second. The Word of the Lord is what? Quick. The Word of the Lord is powerful and sharper than what we just now saying. Ah, <laughs> that same powerful word. 
is now becoming flesh. <laughs> and what is he going to say? And, and dwelt among us. Yes. And we beheld his glory, <laughs> the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So this, re read that one more time for me, because I, I need to slow this all the way down. And the word yes. was made flesh. So that same quickening word that is the eternal spirit was made flesh. And dwelt among us. And experienced everything we experienced. Yes, sir. And? Saw how you could be in a spot where you would mess yes, up, but he didn't mess up. But he understands yes, it now. He, he looked Peter right in the eye when Peter lied and said he didn't know who he was. He understands that situation now. Sitting in flesh, he sees how Peter told him ahead of time, Peter, you're going to mess up. And still that word in flesh, that grace in flesh, is giving enough grace to Peter. Let's keep reading. And the word of God was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory Thank you. as of the only begotten, of the Father. The only gotten of the Father. The only time he's going to do this. There isn't another one that's going to come after him. This is it. It either comes through Jesus or nothing. Let's keep going. Full of grace and truth. Full of grace. That's the part I wanted to get through there. Abundance of grace. You know, there is another scripture I need to get to, but I can't leave this one yet. He says, I'm, it says full of grace. If that is something that we need, if you thought you could do it on your own with your own strength, he wouldn't have needed to be full of grace. Wouldn't have needed it. But we need an abundance of grace. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 14 through 17. 1 Timothy chapter 1. I've got a couple more scriptures and I'm getting out of your way. Verse 14. 1 was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Read that again nice and slowly for me. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. So we've just read in St. John chapter 1 that Christ was full of grace and truth. Paul's writing in a letter to Timothy, his, his mentee, and he's telling him about the nature of grace. And he says, and the grace of our Lord was, that means very great. The grace of God is very great. What is it going to say? Exceedingly abundant with And abundant, meaning existing or available in large quantities. I looked it up this morning. Abundant means exceeding, exceed, existing or available in large quantities. The grace of the, of the Lord isn't something that he has in small quantities. He has it in vast quantities. It's plentiful. <laughs> Read that verse again. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. Was very great and what? Abundant. Existing in large quantities. With faith. With faith. How do we get access to it? It's by faith. Let's keep going. And love, yeah. which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying, and we and are worthy of all acceptance, um, acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, 
So why, why does he need this much grace? Because he came here to save sinners. Came here to save people who were lost. And the truth is, without this grace of God, we would never even be able to experience the mercy of God. We couldn't get close if we didn't have it. Just one more verse. Just let me see this one more verse. How beat for this cause. Keep reading. From this cause, I have obtained mercy. Because Jesus was full of grace, I obtained what? Mercy. Jesus had to show me a ton of long suffering because I was worse than all of you. That's what Paul's saying. He's admitting this to the person he's training. I'm the worst. You're going to be okay. I was the worst. I was way worse than all of you. There is no way you're not going to make it because the grace of God is abundant. It's exceeding. It was good enough for me. So it's going to be good enough for you. One more verse. Verse 16, just read that out for me. How be it for this cause, I obtain mercy, that in me first, Jesus Christ, might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. If you don't believe it for you, believe it because Paul believed it. He says, because I obtain grace, you all are going to get it. He says, if I'm a... I, Paul, Paul literally admits in this scripture to being a murderer, to being a blasphemer. And he says, if I can get this grace, if there's enough for me, there's enough for you. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. In the name of the Lord Jesus.